Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 359, and this is the second episode of our Before and After the Hunt series with you guys, listeners of the show. Today's guest is Ryan, and he's going on an early rifle mule deer hunt in Colorado. It is his first time doing this type of hunt, and it was fun in this conversation to talk about his planning, the questions that he had, and much more. The feedback so far from this series has been great, and we appreciate that. As always, you can contact us via email to podcast at exomountgear.com, or if you have a question for the show, look for the link in the show description that says, leave us a message, and you can ask us a question that we can answer on a future Monday Minute episode. Right now, though, let's go ahead and dive into this one with Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. I'm excited to chat with you, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited too. Happy to be here. What's a quick introduction, a quick background, just to let listeners know a little bit about who you are, where you're from, that type of thing. I am Ryan Buntrock. I'm from uh, central Wisconsin. I've uh, been hunting since I was 12 and going in the woods way before that with my grandpa and dad. And, and now uh, we've got a small farm in Wisconsin. That's what I do. Nice. Is the farm also hunting property in the fall? Yep. Yep. You probably get to see a lot of deer, like even now this time of year while you're out. Yeah, there's plenty of deer. Um, we, we do all right. Um, it's been, been on the downturn recently, but. Mm. Any idea why? Uh, I think we got to do some logging. Oh, okay. What is your Western hunting experience look like, if any? We've been going out mostly South Dakota. We've gone uh, eight times now, I think. And uh, and then I've hunted Wyoming once. And uh, my buddies that I'll be going on this hunt with, I've uh, gone to Colorado twice for elk. Nice. The For South Dakota, is that for mule deer? Yeah, mostly. I've shot a whitetail out there. but It's funny. I was, uh, I think they're, at least as this is recording, not being released, was recorded. I think they're deadline for non-residences today or Friday or something like that. But I was just talking with a guy who was looking at getting uh, a deer tech. I think at least what he was mentioning, it sounds like, is that for a non-resident in any deer tag or do you get specific on mule deer versus whitetail with that? There's two different, you can get a whitetail only, or you can get the any deer. Okay. Got it. The hunt that we're talking about uh, that you'll be doing this fall quick background on that what what is it you don't got to give away obviously like the, right. you, the units that are you know relevant but tell us about the big picture of this hunt plan and uh how it came together well mostly i hunt with my two best friends we've been best friends for years one since kindergarten once in second grade you know so we've grown up together and and fought all those battles um but we're still here um but yeah, we, uh, we've been building points in a bunch of states, like I said, South Dakota, we've hunted Wyoming and, uh, and we were just this winter, we said, well, okay, what do we got? What do we got for points? Where are we going? And, uh, we're kind of in no man's land for some of the other hunts. And we're like, well, let's just, let's just burn our, our Colorado deer points and see what happens. And, uh, yeah, we actually put a couple of hunts in, in a hat and picked it that way. So we're going, uh, 
Colorado for the early, early rifle mule deer hunt. Okay. When you say you, you put a couple hunts in the hat, was that all early rifle for different units or different seasons as well you were considering? There was a couple different seasons and a couple different, you know, but it was all for Colorado. Nice. So the, the, the early rifle hunts are an interesting opportunity there. Um, to some guys that may sound like it's going to be a super easy hunt being early and rifle, but they're not necessarily known to be all that easy. Uh, That's kind of the more research I do, the more, the more I know we're going to have to bust our butts. Yeah. So I don't, and again, I'm not like asking questions that may give any information away you don't want to share, but I've, I've only know about these opportunities from a super high level. Are they all, I think they're, have different dates in some units. Is that correct? Or they all run on the same dates for the quote unquote early rifle season. Do you know? As far as I know, all of the early rifle hunts are the same dates. Okay. So can you tell us roughly what those dates are for your hunt? They run the, the same dates as all those uh, uh, muzzleloader seasons. Oh, okay. So they do line up. You miss like the first, whatever, 10 days of season of uh, archery season. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, then we'll be battling the uh, muzzleloader hunters and the archery hunters. Got it. So for you guys, speaking of timing, how early do you plan to get out there? Do you, are you just really want to be in country for opening morning? Do you plan to scout for a few days, maybe locate a buck and stay on them and be ready for opening morning? Have you thought much about that? Yeah, just with our schedules and well, my schedule on farm and, and uh, just, I only work with my dad and my grandpa. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty shorthanded. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to get there a day, you know, half a day before and, and just go from there and we'll hunt hard all week. And that's what we got. Is this a different area of Colorado than where you've hunted elk before? Uh, my buddies have hunted close to it, but okay. not this exact area. It's interesting. So like, you know, you, you throw out Colorado and elk and I know from my personal experiences, you could have, you could be in a lot of different country in archery elk right. season, elevation, things like that. Um, right. There's potential that where you guys are headed for this early mule deer hunt is going to be vastly different than where maybe yeah. you've hunted elk. Have you been at these types of elevations before while elk hunting? Do you have any concerns about that? I am very concerned about the elevation, <laughs> meaning that we live at, you know, a thousand feet. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, when we hunted Wyoming, you know, with the wilderness areas there, you can't, you basically don't hunt above 10,000 feet unless you're with mm-hmm. a guide. So yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. I'm hoping, uh, <laughs> hoping to be in shape and that the, what do they call it? The high, high altitude edemia doesn't get me. That's what's tough. Like you can, I think you can do things to help, but even some super fit guys, like obviously just being fit in general is going to help your hunt. But when it comes to elevation sickness, it can hit guys who are incredibly fit. Um, And from all the kind of the research and looking that I've done and um, going back a few years at this point, we had um, a scientist or researcher who researches altitude sickness actually from one of the universities in Colorado. Um, and to some extent there's like things you can do to help stay hydrated, things like that. But he basically said like, it can hit people who are in otherwise healthy or otherwise fit, uh, who did the, the things that can help and they can still get it. And once you get it, there's, 
you know, these supplements on the market and things like that, just, they aren't really going to do the trick. You, you essentially either have to come down. Um, there's some prescription based stuff that can work or help, yeah. but, uh, it is, is a variable for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think the, the, the scary part is that, you know, you're, you got all this time and energy and money and everything into it. And then there's nothing you can do to stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you feel that any of your experience with mule deer, say in South Dakota, does that, do you feel like that gives you much, I don't want to say confidence heading to this. Do you feel that that's a good experience to take into this? Or do you feel that this hunt is like so totally different in context and country and terrain that you don't think it's going to relate much to what you have done so far? I, South Dakota is a very bad place to hunt. Nobody go there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that is going to help a lot just because those deer get pressured. They get hunted hard and it is really, in South Dakota, it's, it's a butt kicker. You got to adapt or die. And, uh, and I think that's what this hunt is going to be a lot. You know, um, when we hunted Wyoming, it was, you know, once we found the deer and, and more hunters, you know, we were hunting lower elevation and there too, you just got to think outside the box and we cleaned house on them, but that isn't the case for everybody. And maybe that some of that is luck too. But yeah, I still, I, I imagine we're going to get our butt kicked and we're going to be frustrated and everything else. So <laughs> it's always good to go into it with that mindset, right? Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta hope for the best, but also be realistic with, oh, we're good. We're going to run into challenges. Right. And we may not yeah. even know what all the challenges are going to be, but in certain ways we will get our butt kicked, but we'll just adapt and keep, keep getting after it. Yeah. So how are you breaking down this hunt and you obviously drew a specific tags, you're hunting a specific unit. How are you making decisions on um, basically e-scouting things like access, where you really want to start, where do you want to be opening morning? Um, how are you kind of putting that plan together? Well, we're still, you know, brainstorming together, but uh, you know, right now it's been a lot of high level stuff, you know, looking around fringes and you know where we think uh the recreationalists are going to be coming from you know and what being early season i have a feeling where there's going to be a extra amount of those um you know which is fine but it's just one more variable um i've been looking you know i gotta figure out where the burns are and figure out you know kind of where if there's elk hunters where they're going to be keying on and you know, just trying to avoid them. And, you know, that's kind of, that's always my game plan is just try to figure out where people are going to be and go elsewhere and figure it out from there. It is tough, man. That's one thing that, uh, and I think this affects a lot of the units that have these tags, but as you said, you've got elk hunters, you got archery deer hunters, you're sharing the season with muzzle loaders, and then you have this massive variable of, non-hunting recreation use and and in some of these mule deer units in particular there can be a ton of recreational use from hikers backpackers mountain biker i mean it it can be significant in colorado so that is uh, a lot to to kind of manage for sure yeah i've actually been you know just i don't know if maybe this is my secret trick but i was uh 
looking on YouTube and just watching uh, backpackers videos of these areas, you know, and seeing what they're doing, what they're seeing just to get a feel for the, you know, the area. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just maybe trying to pick up any, any hints I can from that. Yeah. That's a great idea, man. Great idea. So what are you guys doing for, for glassing? Cause obviously that's always key early high country mule deer, everything from your strategy to very practically, what are you guys bringing for optics? I'd just love to hear more about that. Yeah, I'm, I am torn. Um, I have some 15s that I'm aching to use and I'm just worried that I'm going to be packing them for no reason. If we're hunting, you know, heavier timber, if the bucks are pushed down, if it's, if it's hot or once they, you know, strip the velvet, if they're going to be lower or if the archery hunters will have them pushed down, you know, it's, you know, 15s are not light, Mm -hmm. but I do like them. They're a lot of fun to use. Do you run those on the tripod? Yes. Yeah. What about, so you're going with two other guys? Yes. Any discussion on like breaking that up of like, Hey, maybe you're packing the 15s, but other guys, you know, have smaller magnification binos. Maybe one guy has a spotter. You guys being kind of intentional and not only what am I bringing, but what do we have at our disposal together? Yeah. Um, we haven't discussed anything specifically, but yeah, I think that's definitely gonna, gonna weigh into it because we do have a spotting scope tube, uh, among us. So yeah, it's just, uh, you know, how much are we going to be together? How much is redundant? Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to figure out. I was going to ask about that. Like even the three of you, do you plan to spend much time together? Um, are you going to separate and kind of cover different country from vantage points? I don't, you know, didn't know if you guys had a plan there or even things you've done on past experiences or things you've learned about hunting, like in a group like that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're going to be bringing a couple, um, of the, uh, the inreach devices. So yeah, it's definitely on the table to split up. Um, I think what we'll probably end up doing is as the week goes on, we just will, you know, we'll start together and we'll just slowly branch out if we have to, or hopefully we tag out and then, then you can, you know, team up on them. But, uh, yeah, I think that's just the way to go is start small and, and work your way big. You guys have a, um, again, maybe back to past hunts, something you've done of who gets the shot, right? So, and this, this can vary on something like a yeah. country other hunt versus like maybe archery elk or what have you, but, um, do you guys have any sort of system in place or how do you talk about that and tackle that issue? Uh, generally it is, uh, the guy who spots it, their spots, the first shooter gets first right of, uh, refusal. But then after that, you, we just alternate, um, yeah, sometimes that's, I'm not going to say it's hard because we're all, like I said, we've been friends for forever and, and we're always rooting for each other. But, you know, if there was a theoretical drop time buck that somebody else got to go after first, it'd be like, wow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so not yeah. saying that. Yeah, it's, um, it's always, it's a interesting, like having hunted with different groups just to see how people tackle that. Right. Um, and obviously I think, as I said, certain hunts set up to work better certain ways with, you know, something like this with mule deer or just even more open country hunts in general, it could be 
bear right. hunting. It could have been, I mean, shoot when we were like up in Alaska hunting caribou, right. um, when it's glassing heavy, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you spot it, yeah. it's yours, unless you feel like passing it along. It right. just gets trickier when all of a sudden you're like cruising in the timber and chasing bulls, for example, and one bugles and it's like, nobody spotted it, but there's one over there. What are we going to do now? Right. Yeah. I uh, guess, uh, we haven't, we haven't battled that one yet. Yeah. It's just always, you know, it's nothing we haven't talked about before, but having that conversation before the moment, right? So whatever your protocol is, whatever your rule is, how are we going to separate that? Like, uh, it's just important to to have that conversation before you're facing that moment. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky. Everybody's pretty selfless. They're they're yeah. in it for the for the whole group, you know. That's a good good group to be in for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So what else, you know, as we sit here and this is, uh, let's see, three months away at the time of this recording, what other questions do you have? Like, what are, what are you still figuring out? What, you know, I know for me, even at this time of year, like quite literally last night, I went to go to bed and my head hits the pillow and I just start thinking of like, oh, this and that. And I'm looking ahead to different trips and hunts and what's running through your head, man, putting this hunt together. Um, the... I'm still uh, deciding on my bullets for my rifle. Um, it shoots the Hornady uh, interlock really, really well. But, mm. you know, the, the, the uh, maximum proficiency of it is, is probably a little less, less uh, authoritative than what I'd like, you know, out to 400. That's, that's about where I feel comfortable. Okay. Um, and uh, it shoots those bolts so good. And I, I tried some of the Hornady CX and the rifle did not like them. I've never had a rifle dislike <laughs> bullets that much. Uh-huh. Uh, and I actually, I went back to the interlocks to make sure I didn't bump something on the gun or whatever. And no, it's <laughs> yeah. definitely just bullets. So uh, I've got some barns on the way and hopefully, hopefully those, you know, agree a little more. Okay. And what cartridge is this? This uh, seven mm weight. Okay, got it. So I got those it, uh, last year in the, uh, I, I became a life member of the Muley Fanatics Foundation. So, oh, that cool. Was... That's like a benefit of life membership. Yeah. Rifle. Yeah. So awesome. That's kind of what... why I'd really, I'd really like to shoot a Muley with it. So yeah, heck yeah. What's um, what rifle is it? It's a Weatherby. Oh, cool. So the the seven oh eight is that like a one forty range interlock? Yeah. Then? Yeah. Yeah, the interlocks are yeah 139 and that's what the cx were uh, okay. the barns will be a little lighter but they'll have uh they'll stay together a little more got it okay and i don't reload yet so okay yeah yeah i mean the, uh i think the interlocks um yeah certainly not the most like modern high bc type of bullet but something i think would certainly be effective right and if they do shoot well um there's something to be said for not overthinking it right like these shoot great and if it you know if you have that like get behind the gun no questions on where is this bullet going like they're just confident like you have confidence in them their consistency that says a lot um obviously you know it is helpful to crunch numbers and look at downrange what is my impact velocity going to be what is my kinetic energy going to be um, what, what is the wind drift, you know, yeah. compared to a different bullet 
Um, that's all helpful. It's easy to get stuck, I think, on the on paper, right? Um, yeah. And go, well, this one's you know going to be so much better, at least in theory, because of wind drift or because of retained energy, and maybe that does matter. Um, right. But you know, it, the difference between paper and reality sometimes gets uh, it gets murky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, yeah. I've I've become a, a student of uh, Joseph von Benedict, and you know he he always likes to be a little more overgun than undergun. So uh-huh. uh, that's not that the seven mm eight has a ton of authority, but at least at least the better bullets would, should definitely take care of them. Yeah, but and it, you know, like I say, it it really likes those interlocks. It shoots them well. So. Yeah, yeah. The the um, it's very interesting to this this hunt in particular. And I'm not sure how much you've thought about this or how you've thought about it, but it has the, I don't want to say the likelihood, it has a probability though of introducing shooting scenarios that is unlike anything you've probably experienced before, right? Right. Um, with angles, with wind, obviously you're making a massive jump in elevation. Um, so is there anything in particular that you're, trying to do to kind of prepare for that um i've just uh, you know we, we like so we, when we hunted uh wyoming we had you know that's wide open there you know um and i was proficient out to 450 like i felt like anything within 450 was in trouble um so i'm just going to take more of that more more trigger time um just confidence in in my equipment you know and in myself, that's, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's a big change, you know, Yeah. compared to Wisconsin, where I don't know if I've shot a deer over a hundred here. This is getting in the weeds. Do you use a hundred yard zero for your scope or like a 200 yard zero or? Yeah, generally at 100. Um, well, I've, I'm my 30 out six, I've got a BDC. So it, you know, yeah. it starts at one. Um, but now with my seven mm eight, I've, I'm, uh, I've got a loophole and I'm got to get the CDS for it, but okay, that's the plan anyway. You know, when it comes to traveling and traveling and making big changes in conditions, right? I just really typically encourage guys to think through that hundred yard zero if they're not already set up right. for it, right? Um, just because number one, it makes it so much easier to actually check your zero, right? So. Yep. Um, if you have a hundred yard zero, it's much easier to find a hundred yards on the yep. mountain that you can shoot at, um, versus guys who are like, Oh no, I'm set up for maximum point blank range. My true zero is at 274 or whatever. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's just pushing uh, my capabilities, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is with in particular, like this is a good example of it, but having a potential of a 10,000 foot change right uh and where you're sighted in at to where you're now going to hunt right is if there are atmospheric effects in your zero yeah it's much easier to then kind of fine-tune that at 100 um and then still get that zero on point for those specific conditions and obviously that um is going to affect your your ballistics and your calculations downrange but um, I'm just more and more and more, and I, I tend to use a hundred yard zero regardless anyway, but 
having thought about it more, having hunted with other guys who've traveled and don't have a hundred yard zero. Um, and especially with, you know, as good as range finders are these days to me, it, it reduces the benefits of maximum point blank range strategies or those extended zeros just to kind of flatten theoretically flatten your trajectory a bit. Yeah. I just, you know, when you get in the heat of the moment you know, and, and something pops up and you got to shoot, there's, there's less thinking involved. It seems like, you know, mm-hmm. or at least for me, one less thing I can screw up. You mentioned trying to be ready for this physically and what, what does that look like for you? So I'm, if you're anything like the farmers, I know you put in a ton of hours throughout the summer uh, yeah. and it takes a lot of time. So how do you both find the time and then what specifically do you do to train for a hunt like this? It's, it's been tough uh, lately. Like I said, I work with my, my dad, my grandpa and, and grandpa's been dealing with a couple uh, health issues the last month. So he's been, uh, been just resting. Um, so yeah, it's cutting into my, my workout time a little bit. I, I, I used to run cross country when I was in high school and, you know, I don't have near what I had then, but I run when I can. And, uh, sometimes when I put the kids to bed, I'll, you know, do a little Jillian Michaels workout, but, um, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, uh, I'll, I'll mow on with my weighted pack and that's all I can do. I, you know, I drive a truck for, you know, at least a thousand miles a week, sometimes more, um, it's it's tough but you do what you got to do what is the the workout video you do is it just like a dvd thing you follow yeah my wife had a jillian michaels <laughs> workout dvd and i'm like well That's whatever awesome. i got i got 20 minutes and i put it in and dude 20 minutes of that is much better than 20 minutes of nothing she is mean yeah <laughs> that is fun what does that have you doing just like body weight like yeah mostly body stuff? Weight, you know yeah abs and jumping jacks and yeah. that sort of thing and yeah it's it's not great <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is yeah dude that's way better than not doing anything for sure it's probably i you know and i've said this before but like the whole call it core not just abs i don't mean that from a six-pack perspective but right the the connection between your upper body and your lower body just is so underestimated in particular when it comes to wearing a pack, the heavier right. the pack gets and the rougher the terrain gets. So when it comes to like side hilling and moving through country with weight on your back, even if it's not pack out weight, it's just, you know, that 35 pounds of gear, like your, your chassis, your core is doing way more work. And that strength there, if you have it is going to benefit you so much. So that, that type of stuff does get overlooked, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's no joke. I mean, it it is a lot easier to fall out of weight than it is to get back into it. For sure. What other do you have any gear stuff you're still figuring out? Are you still do you like feel pretty dialed from the previous trips that you've done and not making too many changes? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, actually really really happy with the uh, my gear setup. Um, I got a new uh, the platypus gravity filter. That's that's my only really new thing. Um, other than figuring out the, uh, the bullets and, and, uh, yeah, I feel good, good about that. At least speaking of the plot of us and gravity, do you, the way that you're looking at the country, are you factoring in water sources, water availability much into where you're hunting? Yes, I am. I've been paying attention to that. And luckily, um, 
my other buddies, one has the, uh, the stereo pin and then one has a pump system. So mm-hmm. theoretically, if we get ourselves in a pickle, we've got, you know, uh, multiple ways of, of getting our water. Yeah. That's super smart, man. Um, I've not done that, um, uh, intentionally like with groups of like, Hey, let's have different types of water, uh, filtration, but you can definitely get yourself in scenarios where like the filters we use a lot, something like the Sawyer squeeze, the K did and be free, um, you know, those squeeze style filters, they can struggle in certain, like if you have a traditional pump where you can almost suck up water out of this tiny little seep or pool in the high country. Um, yeah, yeah that's going to be, that's going to be a big benefit for you guys potentially to have those different, uh, different tools in the arsenal. And I figured with, with the platypus system, you know, that I can walk in with, you know, eight liters of clean water if I have to, you know, mm. so that, that makes a, a big, big help for getting in. What are you doing for shelter? I have a teepee tent. Like a pretty small one for like you and your gear, bigger for yeah, a it, it would yeah, it would fit. Uh, it has fit two of us, but it's okay. it's tight. We're all taking our own. Okay, so you're doing multiple single yeah. shelters. Yeah, I, I do have a new quilt. I am looking forward to that. Um, oh, okay, I, I had uh, another company that I used last year in South Dakota and. It's a zero degree and I loved it, but I was actually too warm. Um, mm. So I, I thought I'd uh, spread, uh, spread the love and I bought uh, a 30 degree quilt from Viam that I'm looking forward to using. Cool. Was your previous system a quilt or a more traditional sleeping bag? Yeah, that's a quilt too. Okay. So the, the concept of a quilt's not new to you? No, I, I love it actually. I've, I'm, I'm a born again quilter. <laughs> born again quilter uh that's funny man <laughs> well it's good like going into hunts when you've had the experience to figure out what you like and what works and like you said for this hunt you're not doing a ton of things different or feeling like you're trying new like to me it's always comforting when you're reducing all these variables of I hope this works as well as I think it might like you going into pretty much say yeah all my gear's pretty dialed i really like it that's the place to be man yeah um, the only thing that would change it would be you know super super cold nasty weather you know who knows but you know that's a variable i'll have a pile of stuff in the truck i'm sure you guys i'm assuming all traveling out there together the three of you yeah and then what what do you guys personally do or are doing for this hunt um at the truck for meat care and the potential of three bucks um we've got a couple of the one one of one of us has the great big yeti and i've got the 55 quart and we've got you know a lot of (laughs) a lot of coolers so yeah and we'll just have them uh actually one uh a lot of times what we'll do is is we got the big whatever 210 quart yeti and then we stick the smaller yeti inside of it with ice and it's ice all the way around it there you go it's got like the russian dolls of yetis <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually uh the one guy is we're we're gonna end up leaving him out there he's staying out there for another week he's meeting another buddy and they're going elk hunting oh so, really heck yeah yeah so he's gonna be out there for like 17 or 18 days straight wow that's unless, gonna be a le- good unless haul. we take up early but yeah 
That's cool. Well, man, I'm excited to hear how all this goes for you. It sounds like um, you got a good mix of experience that translates to this hunt, even though this hunt's going to be much different, different place, different elevation, different terrain. Uh, but you have experience with the species and lessons learned in gear and just kind of knowing yourself and what you like and what works for you. Yep. Um, so it sounds like you have all the reasons to have a lot of confidence going into this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm uh, just looking forward to seeing some muleys. I'm, I'm definitely hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I get out there and I forget that I'm hunting them and I just stare at them for a while. Yeah, that's like, um, you know, it's another thing just on our bear hunt this spring and then where my head's at on my goat hunt this fall and with you guys talking about having a spotter, but dude, it's just fun. Like, especially getting phone scope footage that, you know, you're going to be able to look back at these animals later. And sometimes I convince myself to, to bring that spotter and a tripod and all that, just, just for that alone. Right. right? It's like, yeah, I could see him with a naked eye. And even in situations where I'm not wanting to like necessarily be super picky on trophy quality, like having the spotter alone to get some footage and stuff is just can be a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't figured out uh, what I'm holding out for or not holding out for, I guess. Uh, we'll see when that happens. <laughs> Are you aware of any other guys in the group who have a specific kind of goal? Do the guys tend to be kind of trigger happy or do you have different personalities <laughs> in that regard? I think, I think one of them is definitely looking for bigger quality than the other two, okay. but I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I think a 150 walks out and he's going to be in trouble by all three of us, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we might, we might have the situation of, no, I saw him first and that's it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I guess that's good too. You can just pass the opportunity along, but that is something that's always in my head on a group hunt is, you know, if we got three tags and we got how many days do you guys have like seven, 10 days or. Yeah, it'll be, I'll have to be back, you know, a day before the season ends, but we'll have eight days. Okay. Yeah. So. So that's always in my head of like, yeah, I don't want to be, you know, especially if it's something that, I'm up first or I spotted it. There's times where it's like, well, I don't want to be picky because you don't want to pass on something and just pass opportunity when you have multiple tags to fill in a limited time. But obviously if one of the guys spots something and, and isn't stoked about shooting it, then yeah. one of the other guys will probably get right behind him, push him out of the way and maybe use him as a rifle rest. <laughs> yep. I can see that <laughs> happening. <laughs> cool, man. Well, if you, unless you got any other questions, that's a great recap. I'm, uh, it's fun doing these for me personally, because now, uh, I feel like I'm not like invested, but I'm a distant yeah. part of this hunt and like, all right, now I get to touch base with these guys here again in a few months and hear how this adventure went. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. This is, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, uh, I like this, this idea for a series. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're a part of it, man. I can't wait to hear how it goes for you. All right. Thank you very much. Well, that is a wrap on this one. I hope you guys are enjoying the series. We have more to come. And obviously, as these episodes are being released here in August of 2022, it's getting awfully close to hunts for many of you and for myself. 
If you have any stories or photos or anything like that this hunting season to share with us, go ahead and reach out, send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. It'd be fun to hear from you. We'll talk to you soon.